0: Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me, I can barely see you across the room, Mark, because it is so smoky at both locales, but it is my co-host, Mark Johnston, Mark A. Johnston, even. Mark, how you doing?
1: <laughs> Jeff, It's uh, it's wonderful here. The air quality is a lot better than it was five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think between the two of us, the air quality index—if you add them both up—is probably close to 500.
1: I think you're right. And, and yes. 200
0: is unhealthy. So, just wonderful, wonderful.
1: Yeah, I'm breathing. doing my best not to set, fi- set foot outside the house.
0: Well, anyway, Mark, we've got—we will continue. We will uh, fight on. We both are a little bit raspy. Uh, this week but we will we will fight our way through it and drink plenty of of liquid as we do so let's get into our show but let's start out with a little bit of BP I need to take some cuts because we're probably gonna have to do it in in the in the cages underneath the stadium because I don't think there's going to be BP on the field with all the smoke so let's get right to it
1: we'll have a bit of an echo to it if we're doing it under the stadium yeah
0: <laughs> it'll be a little loud uh, let's talk about <laughs> We've talked about it the last two shows. We're going to talk about it more this show, the Australian Baseball League. So we've talked the last two weeks about Manny Ramirez signing to play there. Get this, the Auckland Tutaras. That's hard for me to say, Tutara, and I'm sure I'm not even saying it right. From Auckland, New Zealand, who is part of the ABL. They signed five former major league players
1: for this upcoming
0: season. I, we talked about it. I think this is going to happen. I think I think these teams are going to just start signing these guys. It's another way, kind of like going and playing in Japan or Taiwan, where they can go and get some exposure and, and hopefully get re-signed. So they signed five guys with major league experience. The biggest name probably being Eric Young Jr. signed. Wow. He's a veteran for quite a few years. He's, he played in the big leagues. Danny Valencia, former athletic, former mariner. He is uh, he nice. is signed as well. A little bit of pop at the corners there, and then pitchers Justin Grimm, Kyle Davies, and Zach Phillips as well. So there's a World Series. I think Zach Phillips has got a World Series ring with the Cubs, or was that Kyle Davies? One of them has a World Series ring. So there's some good talent going to be on this this Auckland team, and uh, I'm I still think uh, Felix is going to do it. Yeah, I down under. I would love to see that. I really would. It would draw so much attention. I mean, Manny's going to draw attention. I'm not sure any of these five guys are going to draw a whole bunch of attention, but a Felix Hernandez, future Hall of Famer,
1: I think yeah, would be huge. Time. Yeah, that, that, would be, that would be awesome to watch.
0: All right, I got uh, another little story, a quick one here. We got a lot of things to get to today, so I'll try to keep these short. Connie Mack, we might have mentioned him once or twice on the show, right? Before Connie Mack, you know who that is?
1: Yeah, I, I'm familiar with Connie Mack. Yes, I believe he's come up a handful of times.
0: <laughs> so we, we, I mean, we've talked plenty of times about manager owner Connie Mack of Philadelphia Athletics. We have talked on occasion as well about his playing days when he was a catcher. wasn't a wasn't a player for very long, but he was a catcher. And I found this interesting. He took advantage of some rules that are no longer around. One of the rules that was around when he was catching was that any foul tip that a catcher held on to is an out. So if you're up there in the first pitch, you see you foul tip it right into the catcher's mitt, you're out.
1: Like lining out, but backwards. Yes.
0: And of course now, I mean, to, for that to be an out, it's got to be for the third strike. You've got to have two strikes on you. And if they catch a foul tip, you're out. Well, Connie used to be very adept at being able to snap his fingers against his catcher's mitt and make the same sound <laughs> as a foul ball off of a bat. And so he's behind the plate there and he would just keep doing this when guys would swing and miss,
1: and the the umpire would call the batter out. Oh my gosh, that's that's pretty brilliant and pretty cheating.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was totally cheating, but he got away with it for a good amount of time until they finally figured out what was going on. And then they they made a rule that said a foul ball must go at least 10 feet in the air or 10 feet away from the batter's box before it could be caught for an out. And then that later got morphed into, you know, only a third strike. Is that an out?
1: Interesting way to develop
0: that rule. I guess it's not cheating if you don't get caught. That's right. There you go. I thought that was pretty interesting. Let's get into our debuts because we've got quite a few of them today. Of course, we're still, you know, in the middle of September. So this is when a lot of guys have made debuts in the past. Let's first start with a Hall of Famer. Back in nineteen twenty, Pie Trainer made his debut. Of course, Pie Trainer
1: Pie Trainer.
0: Played for the the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think his entire career, right? I don't think he went anywhere else. I believe so. Hall of Fame, inducted in 1948, won a World Series in 1925 when the Bucks beat the Washington Nationals. I almost said Washington Generals, but uh, I think <laughs> they're the Washington Senators, not the Nationals back at that point. Burley Grimes, do you remember that name? Pitcher? Yeah, I do. Yep. He is probably best known for being the last pitcher that was grandfathered in to the ability he could he could throw the spitball as long as he was sure. playing, because he was grandfather dead. Yes. Well, Pie Trainer owned Burley Grimes. That that spitball no did not affect Pie Trainer. He was sixty for one sixty-four against Burley Grimes, which was the best anybody did against Burley Grimes. That was a three sixty-six average, but did not bother. Wow. Him. This was interesting to me. Pie Trainer is the only Major League Baseball player to ever steal home in an all-star game. He did so in the 1934 in one of their all-star games. But you would never see somebody steal home in an all-star game now. Yeah, I don't think there's, there'd be any reason that anybody would risk that during an all-star game. I thought that was interesting. Next debut, 1968, Raleigh Fingers made his major league debut. Raleigh went into the Hall of Fame in 1992, won three World Series with Oakland in 72, 73, and 74. He was the World Series MVP in that 1974 classic. He won the Cy Young and the MVP in 1981 with the Milwaukee Brewers. A seven-time All-Star and a four-time winner of the Roll Aids Relief Award. That is Not a bad. that is quite a trophy shelf, if I do say so myself.
1: Absolutely, wow!
0: Finished with 341 saves, a 2.9 ERA, and had four seasons of double-digit wins as a reliever, along with all those saves, which is pretty impressive.
1: Talk about a good fantasy baseball player. Yeah,
0: (laughs) really did uh, racked up those wins while nailing down games. He owned a couple of Hall of Famers. Brooks Robinson was six for 36 against him career with six strikeouts. Rod Carew, six for 32. Really got some good bats. Just never made good contact against Raleigh. He retired with those 341 saves, which at the time was a record. Pete Rose... Wanted to sign him to the Reds in 1986, but our f- least favorite female racist owner at the time, Marge Shot, had a no mustache policy. It wasn't quite as you know strict as the Yankees, but you could not have a mustache. And of course, Raleigh Fingers is famous for that mustache, that handlebar yeah, I mustache. I mean, come
1: on. That's uh, by the way, that nickname is Marge. She should be shot. <laughs>
0: I would say RIP, but no, just good riddance. Uh, But (laughs) uh, Fingers told the Reds, this is what he said in, in uh, response to that. Well, you tell Marge Shot to shave her St. Bernard and I'll shave my mustache. (laughs) (laughs) So you shave Shotzi, I'll shave the mustache, but that didn't happen. As you can well imagine. Raleigh Fingers also has his number retired by two teams, by both the A's and the Brewers. Oh, nice. 1971, it was Larry Yount made his one and only entrance into a major league game today in 1971. Of course, he got injured while he warmed up and never pitched again. Tragic story, Robin Yount's brother, we've talked about that. Uh, Go back and listen to our our interview with Jacob Kornhauser. Uh, He uh, had a a good book, uh, The uh, Cup of Coffee Club, where we talked about Larry and some other guys. 1980 Fernando Valenzuela makes his debut today
1: Fernando mania
0: yeah Fernando mania Fernando Valenzuela won the rookie of the year and the Cy Young award in 1981 that's
1: crazy he 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 had this certain pitch called a screwball yep I was gonna do a I was gonna do a a segment on the screwball but uh, I'm not sure how it works
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. any. I was literally thinking about the screwball a couple of days ago, and I thought next time we had a pitcher on, a former pitcher, I was going to ask him, what exactly, how do you throw a screwball and what does it do? Because I literally don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I was trying to figure it out. And, you know, I've only got a certain number of brain cells left. I'll be doing more research on it. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Well,
0: Fernando, I, I hear Fernando's a listener. Fernando, you going to come on the show. We're, we're happy Absolutely. to have you anytime. Come on and talk to us about it. That's incredible. though. rookie of the year and Cy Young in 90, 1981 also uh, was a member of two World Series teams with the Dodgers, 88 and 81. Uh, he did not pitch in the postseason in 88, but uh, he was on their roster. He had some shoulder problems, so he didn't make the postseason roster, but he got a ring for it. So good for him. Uh, six, yeah, he did. Six-time All-Star, pitched for 17 seasons in the big leagues, won 173 and 153 with a 3.54 ERA, 2,074 career strikeouts. 1986, he threw 20 complete games. Not bad. Wow. That is insane. That is a career for people today. He won his first eight starts when he came up. Five of them were shutouts, thusly why Fernando Mania... Was such a thing. Also, of course, that very unique windup where he kind of louie T on it and almost turn his back and then he'd look up at the bill of his cap. And, you know, he didn't do that until the Dodgers signed him. He really? was, when he was playing in Mexico and being scouted, he never did any of that. It wasn't until he was signed with the Dodgers he started to do that. And then he couldn't, you know, that was just part of his motion. He couldn't do it without, couldn't pitch without doing that, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Final debut today and I know you're going to have something to say about this guy. 1988, Randy Johnson makes his big league debut for the Montreal Expos. You've heard of this guy, right? Uh,
1: yeah. yeah, I'm I'm pretty familiar with the big unit. He uh, he had a pretty good career and he actually pitched uh, for us specific Northwesterners up here in a little team we call the Seattle Mariners. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty knowledgeable about Mr. Johnson.
0: <laughs> yeah, so went into the Hall of Fame in 2015. Five Cy Young Awards during his career. That is incredible. Four of which were in a row between 1999 and 2003, which is even more incredible.
1: During that time, he was as unhittable as anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. And just consistent. He was amazing.
0: Which, you know, watching him when he came up with the Expos in his first year or two with the Mariners, you would have never, ever thought because he was so wild
1: yeah he was all over the place
0: one uh won a world series in 2001 with the diamondbacks was a 10-time all-star he pitched for 22 years there were only three seasons in those 22 years where he had a losing record finished with a total record of 303 and 166 not many people with 300 wins period probably not going to happen again for a long, long time, 300 wins. Yeah. Uh, 3.29 ERA, 4,875 career strikeouts.
1: That's a lot of strikeouts. You
0: know who Randy faced more than anybody else in his career?
1: I don't have any idea.
0: One Mr. Ricky Henderson. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes 85 plate appearances against Randy Johnson. Ricky hit a paltry 119 against him.
1: But he did
0: walk 26 times, more than anybody else ever walked against Randy Johnson.
1: Yeah, Ricky knew how to play the game. You knew if he couldn't hit him, he'd get on base anyway.
0: Well, he also struck out 30 times against Randy Johnson, more than anybody else struck out against him as well. <laughs> so it was uh, either a walk or a strikeout. Randy Johnson credits your buddy, Nolan Ryan, with giving him advice that helped him learn control. So we were talking about how wild he was to start his career. Nolan Ryan took him aside, spent some time with him, taught him to land on the ball of his foot as opposed to the heel when he was uh, landing during his motion. And that is what Randy Johnson credits his control to, was Nolan Ryan giving him that tip.
1: Yeah, I I actually remember that very well. Um, Oh, He's going to have a meeting with Nolan Ryan and see if he can learn anything. And it was like a switch went on. It was like night and day. He started becoming this dominant pitcher. I have always wondered, what did Nolan tell him, you know? So that, that was it, it's it. amazing how quickly his career turned around. Really? Did. Met with, uh, yeah, it, pretty incredible.
0: 1993. I don't know if you remember this. Randy entered the final game of the season as a defensive substitution in left field, thusly making him the tallest player to ever play in the field in baseball history.
1: I did not know that.
0: <laughs> that I, I got to look and see if there's a picture of Randy Johnson standing in left field, because that has got to be awkward. Not the tallest pitcher in the history of the game, though. We've gone over this many times. I've asked you this many times, and this is much like Lance Johnson, one of those trivia questions that you never seem to remember. Do you remember who the tallest pitcher in Major
1: League history is? Uh, Robert Ludlow. <laughs> oh, that's the tallest man in history.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Robert Ludlow? No. Not, not no. Jason Bourne, John Roush, 6'11". 6'11". Uh, 2001, of course, uh, Randy Johnson exploded a poor little bird in spring training. Everybody remembers that clip, RIP bird. So you mentioned that Randy Johnson's uh, nickname is the big unit. Do you know how he got that nickname? I do not. I did not know this until I was reading this while looking up Randy Johnson facts. It happened in 1988 when he was still with the Expos and during batting practice, Johnson collided headfirst with outfielder Tim Raines. And Raines picked himself up off the uh, the carpet of the uh, Olympic Stadium, and he goes, "Wow, you're a big unit." And that stuck. <laughs> so there you go. All right. So those are our debuts. Uh, let's uh, get to our trivia question that I asked you last week. I asked you who was the catcher that has played the most games behind the plate for one team any any clue
1: my guess is Carlton Fisk
0: well that is not the answer and I think that I think the reason there is because he split time between the Red Sox and the White Sox for most of his career that kind of halves that number right from the beginning what if I told you that this guy is still active still active still active to this day Playing in a game right now as we record this. Uh, Yadier Molina. There you go. Very nice. (laughs)
1: There you go. Hey, two guesses.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's played. I just needed a big hit. (laughs) Yeah, well, Yadier has played his entire career with the Cardinals. 17 years. This is his 17th season. So far, 2011 games behind home plate for the Cardinals. And uh, let's see. He has spent some time at first base as well. Not a whole lot, but he has played a little bit of first base. There you go. Very nice. So I'm going to give you credit for that.
1: I appreciate that. All
0: right. Uh, my question for you for next week. This is a very short question. It is literally six words. <laughs> All right. I've got it written down here. Last switch hitter to win MVP.
1: Wow. Um, Frank Robinson.
0: Again, I'm not going to tell you Frank if Robinson. you get it
1: right. Oh, that's my kick. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so switch hitter to win the MVP. If you can uh, you can come up with that, you'll win fame and fortune and uh, and all that. And by the way, Frank Robinson was not a switch hitter, so I'll just tell you you're you're not right. All right, that'll do it for okay. BP. Let's uh let the uh, the ground screws going to actually come out with their uh, their leaf blowers and try and get rid of some of this smoke for us, which is interesting for them to do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's they've got them in reverse. They're sucking the smoke in, but it's just coming out the other side. So I don't understand what.
0: (laughs) We've got a crack ground screw here at two strike noise. (laughs) All right. So let's uh, let's get into our main uh, the main topic of today's show. Uh, What do you want to talk about this week?
1: Well, I was uh, I was in one of these uh, autograph break things that I do where you pick a team and then if whatever cards come up for that team you get to those are the cards you get and i had i picked up a a don zimmer autograph and i thought man i don't know anything about don zimmer i wonder if anyone does i mean i know him as the you know the pudgy faced popeye looking guy um you know that always seemed to be on some team coaching but i didn't know a whole lot about him so i thought he's a pretty interesting guy actually he had one amazing career 66 years in professional baseball So I thought maybe I'd tell you a little bit about Don Zimmer. Let's do it. Don Zimmer was actually from Cincinnati. Um, He was born January 17th, 1931 in Cincinnati, Ohio. And when you think of Don Zimmer, you think of the, you know, chubby, portly, uniform, too tight kind of guy. Well, he was a (laughs) two-sport athlete. He he played uh, football and baseball. He was quarterback for the all-Ohio team and the star shortstop for the baseball team. So he was uh, he did quite well in high school and the hometown Reds uh, showed interest in signing him, but this guy named Branch Ricky also was interested in signing him with the Brooklyn Dodgers. The Dodgers actually had a private tryout for Don Zimmer. George Sisler, who was a, a scout, really liked uh, what he had to offer. So Branch Ricky came out, offered him 2,500 to sign. Reds say they, they said they could only offer 2,000, but they would start him at a higher level of the minor leagues. And that $500 made all the difference because Mr. Zimmer signed with the Brooklyn Dodgers. He began playing actually with the Cambridge Dodgers of the Eastern Shore League in 1949. And uh, a side note, uh, he led the league with 146 runs scored and stole home 10 times.
0: Was it never in an All Star game though?
1: Probably not. I don't think they had the All Star game in the Cambridge Dodgers League. But uh, <laughs> by the way,
0: you mentioned George Sisler though. That's a, I didn't know he was a scout. Sisler, yeah, he, Hall
1: of Famer, the great George Sisler. Yeah, yes, uh, was a scout for the Dodgers in '52. Uh, he played for Mobile, the Double A organization for the Dodgers, and they moved him up to Triple A St. Paul in 1953. He hit 300 with 23 home runs and 63 RBIs in 81 games, so pretty solid year. But he was hit, beamed in the side of a head by a pitch thrown by Columbus pitcher Jim Kirk. It was a game in Columbus, and his skull was fractured. He was actually unconscious for 10 days. Yikes. So imagine that, just boom, fractures your skull, you're in a coma for 10 days. And he couldn't remember a whole lot about it. He thought when he woke up, he thought it was the next day. It's kind of crazy because there were two blood clots forming, and so they had to give him a spinal tap every two or three days. Fun. Eventually, they solved it by drilling three holes into the right side of his head. And it alleviated the pressure. They they put in these titanium buttons that basically acted like bottle corks. So
0: So your brain doesn't squirt
1: out? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I guess uh, cerebellum, whatever they call it, but check it out. There's always been this rumor that he has a, uh, and I've heard, I remember hearing the rumor that he had a metal plate yep, in his head.
0: Absolutely. I've heard that yeah. too.
1: Not true. There's three titanium buttons in his head. So <laughs> it was a rough time, but you know, he came back, to, uh, he recuperated back in Florida and, uh, the next year he went to spring training at Vero Beach. That was 1954. Pee Wee Reese, of course, was still the Dodgers starting shortstop. When you Now, Pee Wee Reese was the one to get injured. So they brought in Zimmer. They brought him up from AAA. And he made his major league debut on July 2nd at Connie Mack Stadium in Philadelphia. So he was playing shortstop for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And when Pee Wee recovered, the Dodgers gave him the choice of returning to the minors or remaining in Brooklyn. He chose to stay with the Dodgers. What a shock, uh, but he only played in 24 games. Uh, the following season, 1955, was a big deal. Um, he came out in spring training. He had a really strong training camp, and he, of course, earned the right to be Pee Wee's backup from the beginning. Walter Alston wanted to uh, wanted his bat in the lineup more often, so he asked him if he could play second base. Zim lied and said, of course I can. <laughs> Who do you think I am? <laughs> it paid off because he became their big utility man. So he would play all the time, short and second, switch off. He uh, he only hit two thirty nine, but he did hit fifteen home runs and home runs and had fifty runs batted in in eighty eight games, which was pretty cool. Not bad. Zimmer was used as Reese's backup, also in fifty six, and on June third, uh, June twenty third, his season ended. Guess what? A fastball high and inside broke his cheekbone. So he broke his cheekbone, um, Hal Jeffcoat, but he had to say this about Mr. Jeffcoat afterwards. If that's all Jeffcoat had on the ball, he'd better quit. So <laughs> <laughs> so broke his cheek and he had to have surgery, but he still said Jeffcoat had nothing on him. Uh, the Dodgers moved to LA. That was, you know, and the, the, the big move. The Dodgers moved to LA and the Giants moved to San Francisco. And there were a lot of openings for uh starters and so zim won the job uh, as a starting shortstop but it didn't last a whole lot because the next year this new shortstop came up named maury wills i've heard of him yeah maury was pretty good and uh, won the starting job away from zim who was only hitting the buck 69 just before the next season 1960 he was traded to the cubs for uh, Lee Handley, Johnny Gorl, and Ron Paranowski, who was one of my favorite relief pitchers of all time. Ron first... he was
0: a long time like pitching coach or base coach or, or yep, like the Dodgers, too. wasn't pitching he?
1: Coach. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he got sent to the Cubs and he was appointed captain of his new club immediately. Anyway, he was left unprotected in the expansion draft and was selected by the brand new New York Mets. His, uh, Stint at the Mets was not the greatest. He went four for his first 52 with one RBI. <laughs> and so he only ended up there about a month and they traded him to Cincinnati. So he's moving. He started his moving around now. Uh, 1963, he was traded to the Dodgers for Scott Breedman. And they replaced him in the field with this young guy named Pete Rose.
0: I've heard of him too.
1: And lost his job to a kind of pretty good player. His second time in LA and only lasted five months. They traded him to the Senators. Uh, he played his last two and a half years for the Washington Senators. Uh, near the end of that season, Hodges, Gil Hodges, the coach, or the manager, wanted a pinch hit for his catcher, Mike Grumley. So he asked Zimmer if he could catch. Zimmer replied honestly, quote, Well, I caught in fast pitch softball in Cincinnati when I was a kid. But <laughs> that was the extent of it. Sure. So Zimmer pinch hit and caught the last four innings of the game. He would end up catching, get this, 33 games as a third catcher in his last big league season in 65, also playing third and second base. A couple weeks uh, later, his old friend Al Campanis, there's another story, called him with an opportunity to play in Japan. So 1966, he goes to Japan and plays for the Toye Flyers. They paid him 30 grand. That was a lot more than he was making as a major leaguer. And uh, he started off really well. He had seven home runs in the first two weeks and he broke his toe. Um, so he played through the injury, but he just, it's like when most players try to play through an injury, you just make it worse. So he didn't have the best year and that was it. And so for the first time he was out of baseball, but a call came from the one and only Buzzy Bavese. And he offered Zimmer a chance to instruct at spring training. The Reds also offered him the manager's job at AA Knoxville. But the pay was not so great. However, the Reds promised to give him a little bit of a a raise, so he joined the Reds. He started out as a player manager in Knoxville and eventually got to manage uh, AAA Buffalo. He got this guy playing for him, playing catcher for him. This guy's name was Johnny Bench. I've heard of him, too. uh, Hey. Yeah, I think he did a pretty good job in his career. I'd have to look it up. And then he went to Puerto Rico after the season to manage a team and work on his managerial skills. There he ran into another guy you may have heard of in Roberto Clemente. Yes, I've heard of him yes. too. He didn't think the highest of Roberto Clemente's talent, and he only played him once a week. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, looking back, I'm sure that he thought, man, I should have played him a little more. He
0: might have made a mistake on um, that one. <laughs> yeah.
1: So in 68, he managed the Reds' new top affiliate, Indianapolis, who finished fifth, and Zimmer lost his job. Buzzy Bavese called again. This time, he had left the Dodgers for the expansion San Diego Padres. So he agreed to manage Key West because he lived in Florida, see? And the Key West Padres lasted exactly one season, and they were gone. So the Padres promoted Zimmer to AAA Salt Lake in 1970. And uh, they finished a mere 52 and a half games behind the Southern Division leader, Hawaii. So
0: Wow, that's quite a road trip from Salt Lake to Hawaii.
1: Yeah, that <clears> used <throat> to be a PCL a normal thing. Hawaii was part of the PCL and teams would just go there once a year and play all the games. But yeah, he uh, actually resigned after the season. I guess you finish over 50 games out of first Maybe you want to resign instead of get fired. Gene Mock then, so we're on to 71, asked Zimmer to be his third-base coach for uh, the Montreal Expos. And so he did that for in 71. In 72, he got the third-base coaching job with the Padres from his buddy, Bavese, again. He took the job, and the Padres started four and seven. And then Bovesi fired their manager, Preston Gomez, and Zimmer became the big league manager for the very first time. So, uh, the 73 season under Zimmer didn't go so well. He finished; They finished 60 and 102. And uh, the <laughs> owner, yeah, not the best. Uh, the owner, C. Arnhold Smith, was having a lot of financial troubles and started trading players away to dump salaries. Zimmer did not like that. And he told Mr. Pavese he was going to be quitting. So San Diego said, forget that. You're fired.
0: Wait, Zimmer like, hey, this squad that went 60 and 102, I really like the talent we've got here. How dare you sell these oh, guys off?
1: I'm sure. Then he got hired by the Boston Red Sox. And in 75, the 75 team, of course, uh, led the American League, won the Eastern Division, and then swept Oakland, no offense. In the championship game and the World Series, of course, in 75 against the Reds. Incredibly dramatic season. We all know that they won by the Carlton Fisk home run in the 12th in game five. But uh, they actually could have won it earlier. They had the bases loaded with nobody out in the ninth. Fred Lynn hit a fly ball, shallow left field, and Denny Doyle was thrown out at the plate trying to score. Doyle later said that when Zimmer, the third base coach, yelled, no, no, no. He thought he was saying, go, go, go. <laughs> it's a bummer.
0: That's kind of like Ricky Henderson seeing the the sign to to take off the steal and saying he thought it meant take off, like run. That's, that's know, take exactly off. the same.
1: <laughs> uh, well, and in 76, they uh, fired Daryl Johnson at the Red Sox and replaced him with Don Zimmer. And he took the 77 Red Sox to a 97-64 and 64 record. So a little bit better than finishing 52 games out. Um, he came back for 78. And the uh, that was the year the Red Sox completely and totally collapsed. You hate to see it. You do, you do. The players did not get along with them. There was these, a group of players, let's see, Bill Lee, Rick Wise, Jim Willoughby, and Bernie Carbo, who called themselves the Loyal Order of the Buffalo Heads.
0: <laughs> Is that a Flintstones reference?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, they, the buffalo was chosen because the group felt it was the dumbest animal on the face of the earth. They felt that this animal was indicative of those who played for Zimmer. Uh, so there were quotes coming out all the time about a team not getting along, and they just totally collapsed, and, and uh, it was not a good year for Zim that year. The buffalo heads had no respect for Mr. Zimmer. He picked up the nickname from Bill Lee, the gerbil, and uh, it just it was not a, a manageable situation so he yeah they won 91 games in 71 it was good enough for only third place because that's a rough division and then fourth place in 1980 so they said goodbye mr zimmer thanks for coming in and they uh uh, got rid of him at the end of the 1980 season so he was done with baseball until the texas rangers owner eddie childs came knocking at childs decided he was going to hire zimmer And uh, the 1981 season was disrupted by the player's strike. Eddie Child's patience wore thin during a losing streak in 82. And he had a reputation for being erratic. At one point, he made Zimmer the general manager as well as manager. And then Texas had a terrible road trip, and he fired Zimmer right then and there. But Zimmer was not out of work for very long, as Billy Martin called. Oakland A's manager offered him a job as the third base coach. That lasted a a little while. It was rumored that he was going to be fired, that Martin was coming back to New York. So Zimmer became the third-base coach for the Yankees. And indeed, your boy Billy Martin returned to the Bronx in 83. Zim left after one season. He did not like Steinbrenner very much. I know that's hard to believe. He left the team after just one season. And he coached for the Angels in 84. And his buddy Jim Fry called. And so he uh, decided he was going to make him the manager of the Cubs. So the Cubs had one really good year, 86, not such a great year, and Zim was fired again. Steinbrenner offered him a job, and uh, he took it, but he didn't like the way that Steinbrenner and Lou Piniella were constantly fighting, not the biggest fan. So he went to the San Francisco Giants. Are you seeing a pattern here? He worked for everybody. They uh, offered him a two-year deal, but then he found out that Dallas Green had been fired and Jim Fry was taking his place at the Cubs, and he offered Zim the manager's job, which he took. And the Cubs were pretty talented. In 1989, the Cubs were known as the boys of Zimmer. The Cubs surprised the league, and they uh, they actually won the Eastern Division behind the work of a couple of ballplayers, one guy was named Greg Maddox. I've heard of and him. Another, yeah, and then Mark Grace, who established himself as a great first baseman. In 90, the Cubs fell back in the fourth place. They didn't win a World Series, by the way, because they were the Cubs.
0: Well, because because uh, they didn't cover their mouth on the mound. And uh, Will Clark read, uh, read what was going to be thrown by Maddox. Grand
1: slam. That's exactly what happened. That's why. That's right. And uh, that ended his major league career. As a manager, he ended 885 and 858, over 13 years managing. So first time in his life, he's at home for a summer, and he doesn't know what to do with himself. But Bob Gebhardt of the Colorado Rockies called. They had made Don Baylor their manager, and Baylor wanted Zimmer. He had a rough day one day when he had his eyes were burning and he was having problems with his vision. It took him to the hospital. He had suffered a mini-stroke. The doctors told him to give up chewing tobacco. The, the gerbil, he, he always had a big wad of chewing tobacco in his cheek. Anyway, his relationship with Don Baylor kind of got sour, and uh, the divide became wider as the season went on. And June 6th, he had decided to retire again. So he returned home, and that was Ian, right? No! He got a call from Joe Torre, who had just become the Yankees manager and needed a bench coach. So Zim became the bench coach for Joe Torre, Zimmer served uh, as the bench coach for the Yankees from 96 through 2003. Uh, He said the hardest part about leaving the Yankees was leaving Joe Torre. In the eight years they coached together, the Yankees won their division, seven out of those eight years, and they went to six World Series winning four times. Pretty successful as the bench coach for the Yankees. We all remember um, the uh, incident with Pedro Martinez, where uh, a very feisty, still very feisty Don Zimmer, during a brawl, charged at, uh, Pedro, Pedro who stepped aside and pushed him to the ground. I don't know, man. What did, what did you think about that situation?
0: I don't think he probably shouldn't have put his hands on him. Zimmer was 804 at that time.
1: I don't well, think. But he's charging at him. What is he going to do?
0: Sidestep him. I mean, Zimmer is not exactly mobile.
1: Well, he didn't like grab him and throw him down. He just pushed him. I don't know. I've never, I've always thought Zimmer was a bit out of line anyway. Y'all can, y'all can discuss that amongst yourselves out there. But he didn't want to leave the Yankees, but he got sick of George Steinbrenner. After the 2003 season, he decided no more Yankees. And so he w- he prepared for the rest of his life outside of baseball. But Vince Namoli, the original owner of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, he said, man, this guy's got years and years of baseball experience. He hired him as a senior advisor. So he spent the last 10 years of his life working for the Tampa Bay Rays. He was really there for 10 years? 2004 to 2014. Wow. Zim passed away at the age of 83 in 2014. A uh, One thing I loved about him is uh, they uh, retired his number, which was 66 at uh, Tampa, but he changed his number every year to reflect how many years he had been in baseball. So he was 65 the year before, 64, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Another thing about Zim, after the beaning incident, uh, it led to Major League Baseball adopted batting helmets as a safety measure. You didn't have to use a batting helmet. Can you name the first player to use a batting helmet?
0: God, I I feel like we've talked about this, and I don't remember who it was. If I said, holy cow. Oh, it was a scooter.
1: It's right. Phil Rizzuto, first player to use a batting helmet. That all came about because of Don Zimmer's 10 days of uh, vacation away from being awake <laughs> anyway i just wanted to talk about don zimmer and i, I hope people enjoyed that because i think he had an interesting career
0: he was i i remember because he he never worked a day outside of baseball in his entire life no.
1: in fact he only collected one uh, check away from baseball and that was one social security check the first time he decided he was going to stay home um, but then he got hired away and uh, you know, so we only got the one social security check.
0: I, was, was it after the the Pedro incident that or or maybe there was a foul ball in the dugout? It was something at Yankee Stadium where the next day he yeah. was wearing a helmet, like a, an army helmet.
1: Yeah, I remember it was like a contusion or something. I
0: see here uh, Chuck Knobloch fouled a ball off and it hit Zimmer. And then the next day he was wearing an army helmet. And it said Zim, and it had the Yankees logo stenciled on the front.
1: That's outstanding.
0: And then that led to the installation of fences in front of the Yankee dugouts.
1: There you go. See, Zim was always getting hit, and they were always fixing stuff. But he had to take one for the game first. Yeah,
0: it was just like when
1: Mo Vaughn
0: fell down the steps in Boston, and that made the Fenway and other places then put up fences in front of their dugouts.
1: Don Zimmer, ladies and gentlemen, the gerbil.
0: All right, so there you go. There's Don Zimmer. I want to call him the Clown Prince, almost, but he's not a Clown Prince officially. But just that bubblegum no. face makes me laugh whenever I see it. <laughs> me too. All right, so uh, well, that was uh, that was very in depth. So we're going to go from that directly into Wax Pack's heroes.
1: <laughs> so, very in depth. Very. In, to put it.
0: Very in depth. So let's uh, let's jump into our, uh, the segment that everybody enjoys. It is Wax Pack's heroes. Gotta pull the wax. you're new to the uh, the podcast (laughs) this is where we open up a pack of uh old baseball cards generally from the junk wax era we have got with us a uh, beckett from may 1992 and uh, we're going to look up these uh, these cards as we open them in here so that they have some value we do have some rules to this game though first of all so uh, let's go through them just to keep everybody up to date first of all if the player is wearing real stirrups that is a Good job because real stirrups are sexy and you get a plus one cent for that. If you are wearing the two in one stirrups, that is not good. And we're going to take a cent away from that because that is not sexy. Uh, it's next, ugly. Yeah, it's ugly. Next, if you're sporting a mustache, you're going to get an extra cent because a lot of these guys had facial hair back then, as they do now as well. It's all cyclical. Uh, next, yep. we can award an extra cent if you have a super sweet, bushy, Tom Selleck-esque mustache we can give you an extra cent. So there are two cent mustaches. Next, if you are wearing glasses of any sort, in particular, what I call the science teacher glasses that take up roughly three quarters of your face, you get an extra cent. If you are wearing a sweatband that has either your caricature or your jersey number on it, you're going to get an extra cent too, because those are awesome, likewise. If you are wearing high top shoes plus stirrups, That is not a good look. So that's the one time stirrups are not sexy. You're going to get a minus one point cent for that. Uh, If you are wearing high tops and two and ones, what were you thinking? Did did your mom (laughs) not check what you're wearing before you go out on the field? You're going to get a minus two cents on that. And then finally, if you are in the Hall of Fame, you're going to get an extra five cents. So there we go. Mark, this week we have got two packs of 1989 tops ready to go. I'm going to let you okay. choose uh, which one you want. The one on the left or the one on the right?
1: I'm going to go with the one on the left. One on
0: the left. All right. I'm going to have you go first because I always have you go first if you pick the pack. We're going to yes. take a look at this Beckett, at, first of all, the uh, 89 tops. Not uh, not a, a whole bunch of big cards in here. There is a Jim Abbott rookie card that is worth a buck, a Steve Avery rookie card that is worth a buck as well. Uh, those are your big, uh, your high Christ cards, your big ballers, your your heavy hitters. So, let's uh, let's All see right. what we've got. Uh, you did win last week. You are the reigning champion. So, yes, congratulations on that. You keep telling and me. I, still, I understand you're the champ. You don't need to.
1: I'm still wearing my crown out in public. Yeah, my wife is not happy. Although you know what she told me the other day, she says I'm way more handsome when we go out in public. You know because I'm wearing a mask. Yes. So well, definitely, I can concur yeah. with her there.
0: All, All right. right, so let's get started here. We're going to start off with an astro. So I hope you
1: know who this yeah. guy is
0: because I don't know who this guy is. Uh, it is an outfielder. It's Louis
1: Meadows. Louis Meadows was like a draft pick, a little guy, and he never really caught on.
0: Well, he's got a sweet mustache. I'll, I'll give him that. So you're going to get one cent uh, off the bat for facial hair, but that's that's about it. I never heard I'll of Louis Meadows though. Okay, next. Uh, this guy was ended up being a closer for the Expos. He was a pretty decent closer. It is Jeff Montgomery.
1: Oh, yes. Montgomery uh, was a, a really decent pitcher.
0: Yeah, I I, I want to say he was a closer, though, wasn't he, at, at some point? I thought he was. I thought he was. Let's see. Jeff Montgomery, 87 through 99, pitched mainly, well, he was drafted or came up with the Royals, but then spent the rest of his career, or with the Reds, and then spent the rest of his career with the Royals. Led the league in 93 with 45 saves, finished with 304. So Very yeah. nice. Uh, no uh, No value, though, on that card at all. Hmm, no Next, respect. we've got a Philadelphia Philly. This is a spring training special because there is just nothing but blue sky and trees in the background. It is Dave Palmer, not Jim Palmer. Dave Palmer.
1: Dave Palmer. You
0: mm. got me on that one. Not not ringing a bell. Um
1: no.
0: Well, uh, when I when I type his name in Baseball Reference, it uh, does not give me anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh dave it was palmer- the
1: guy that took the photographs for tops is what it is yeah and he got his own
0: card so no, no value there from dave palmer next you've got a record breaker card uh, we know these are typically not worth a whole lot but uh, this is a great looking card it is mr doug jones of the cleveland franchise for earning his 15th straight save which i guess was some sort of a record at that point
1: nice now if you have doug jones you've got a stash
0: Yes, he definitely has a nice mustache going there, so you are going to get one cent. It's kind of a a weird card because he is in the middle of his windup. His back is to the camera. He's got no name tag on the back, just a number. Hmm. Uh, I'm guessing this is spring training, but it's kind of weird to not see a a name on the back. But uh, No value from Beckett, but you do get one cent for the mustache. And you know what? You're going to get two cents because that's Doug Jones. That is a two cent mustache right there.
1: I appreciate that. I've always thought he was a two-sitter.
0: center. <laughs> right. Next, we've got pitcher for the Rangers. It is Mr. Craig McMurtry.
1: Oh, man. I remember McMurtry, but I, boy, I couldn't tell you a thing about him. Yeah,
0: McMurtry, uh, let's see. He spent eight years in the bigs, split it between Atlanta and the Rangers, uh, was uh, mainly a starter in the beginning of his career, became a reliever. 4.08 ERA, a 28-42 and 42 career mark. So, uh lefty no not a lefty either
1: how do you stick around that long being a righty i don't know
0: maybe it was because he takes a great picture for his card because <laughs> he's got a mustache he has got nice. uh well you know it's it's still it's a one cent mustache but it's a mustache he's got real stirrups nice. and he's got the science teacher glasses on
1: nice. so
0: while he's not worth anything when it comes to beckett that is a three cent card for you there and that'll double your score up to six cents
1: very nice
0: okay we've talked about this guy before it is uh i guess he's kind of a utility infielder dh first baseman is what we've got listed here on uh, on the tops card for the twins it is gene larkin
1: yeah i remember gene larkin It was no barry larkin no but, uh, he, well, was, he was an all-around solid player
0: and uh it was not even related so uh <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see no value for gene larkin in Beckett and nothing uh, nothing going on on the card. He played all seven years with the Twins. Uh, yeah, just kind of a, a, he was a major leaguer for seven years. That's what, that's what we'll say. Yep. Next, you go. you've got a manager card. So you know this isn't going to score you anything. This guy though, <laughs> Ricky Henderson, always says that this guy in the minor leagues was a huge influence when he was his manager. Here he is with the manager, uh, as the manager for the Brewers, it is Tom Treblehorn.
1: Uh, I remember when he was managing the Brewers actually.
0: I do too. I I yeah, I, yeah, I remember remember when he was there. Uh, I mainly know him from Ricky Henderson talking about him. No. <laughs> sure. Uh no value though there from uh from anything from the card from Beckett's whatever. Uh next we have got Scott Gerelts with the San Francisco Giants. I
1: just know the name, couldn't tell you anything about him.
0: Uh, so Beckett has no value for him. Gerelt's, uh, it's 10 years in the big leagues, all with the giants, uh, was a starter a little bit of the time at the end of his career. He started 31 games in 1990, ended up with a 69 and 53 career mark. Not bad. Oh, no. And a 3.29 ERA. Not bad wow. at all. Uh, his card is not worth anything, but I will sell, I, I will say this. He's got a two cent mustache. Oh, nice. So that'll bring you up to eight cents. Next for the uh, Detroit Tigers, it is, I think, let's see, was he a third baseman? Oh, he's listed as an outfield here. Scott Lusader. You remember him?
1: <laughs> yes, the Cape Lusader. <laughs> um, I remember him. I don't remember a whole lot about him. Yeah, I remember that
0: um. name. Apparently he played for the Yankees one year in, 90, in 91 as well. But beyond that, five years, four of which were with the Tigers, really not much uh it looks like he was just a part-time player never played in more than 45 yeah. games in one season so not uh not much going on there uh, no value from beckett he does have the uh, science teacher glasses on though so you will get 9 <laughs> cents you're really racking them up here
1: this is this is not my best pack ever it's not really packed with uh, hall of famers no
0: no no hall of famers yet which is kind of odd This is not a Hall of Famer. Definitely, though, a really good player. We've talked about him many times because he is one of the few players from Jamaica to ever play in the big leagues that is not Devon White. It is Chili Davis.
1: Oh, yeah, Chili could hit, man.
0: (laughs) Certainly could. Here he is uh, with the California Angels at this point. Uh, Also played with the Giants, the Twins for a little bit, the Royals, the Yankees at the end of his career. Uh, Played for 19 years, had a career 274 Average of 4.51 slugging. Not bad. Wow. Mr. Uh, remember his, his full name?
1: Nope. Charles Theodore. Charles Theodore. Nice.
0: Yeah. No value in Beckett. Uh, and doesn't have a mustache in this picture. He usually did, but he does have real stirrups, so you'll get one cent for that. You're at
1: 10, okay, well, something.
0: Ten whole cents. Next, it is a Terry, don't call me Fred McGriff. The crime
1: dog. Gotta love him.
0: No, this is Terry McGriff, not Fred McGriff.
1: I know, but I know you mentioned the crime dog, though, so I thought I'd say, hey, shout out to the crime dog. Um, yeah, McGriff, the wrong McGriff. Hey, wasn't that a James Thurber novel? Uh, correct? No. No? No, it wasn't, no. but it sounded funny. All right. No.
0: <laughs> Terry McGriff played six years in the big leagues. He, uh, between 90 and 93, he was out of the big leagues. That's kind of a, a big gap. But uh, Yeah, it is. not uh, not a whole lot to speak of. He was uh, a catcher. Maybe that's, that's probably how he came back after a while. He was a catcher and can always use a veteran catcher. No, uh, no value from Beckett and uh, nothing, nothing on the card. So that's going to be a a big swing and a miss for you uh, on that
1: one. This is really going well.
0: Yeah. Now this one, I believe we've pulled this card before, and I think you're going to get a decent, a decent return on this one. It is a number one draft pick card by the Padres. He's a pitcher. His brother also played in the big leagues as a pitcher. It is Mr. Andy Bennis. Andy
1: Bennis. I remember the day he got traded to the Mariners. The Mariners were making a run for the playoffs and pretty excited.
0: Well, that, sir, is a 35 cent card. And, and I believe I had pulled that in one of my packs earlier, because I remember that was a big that is a big card, especially for this pack. The Rain Man was his nickname. i never heard that one before.
1: No, me neither.
0: Uh finished with 155, 139 record. Three point nine seven ERA, two thousand strikeouts exactly in his fourteen years.
1: Hmm. No, he was a good pitcher. He was,
0: yeah, he was upper end of the uh, upper end of the rotation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, there you go. So that is a big card for you. That brings you up to forty five cents. He's respectable. With, with three cards left, yeah, that might have that might defeat me. Just with that one card. Okay, next we've got this guy. We seem to pull his card a lot. It is Jeff Robinson. Here he is, a pitcher with the Pirates.
1: Yeah, we seem to get Jeff Robinson again and again. You know, um, starting pitcher, right? Yep. Yeah. kind I remember him a little bit, but um, we didn't get a lot of Pirates baseball on TV around here. Yeah,
0: not uh, no value there from Beckett's and uh, nothing from the card. Nine years in the big leagues, Giants-Pirates. Um, led the league in in hit batters his rookie year, so.
1: Well, good for him.
0: He's got that uh, got that going for him. Uh, I like to look at their uh, at their transactions. He was traded for Rick Russell once, and he was also traded for Sluggo Don Slot one time. Uh-huh. it was Sluggo's birthday last week, by the way. Happy birthday! It was belated
1: birthday. Don Slot yeah. that 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 man could hit.
0: Next, we've got a pitcher for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, who I am not familiar with. This is two guys in this pack I do not know. Larry McWilliams. You're making that up. No, I am not. There's an actual picture of him. He's in a big league I... game. Huh. But, uh, okay. Go, Larry. Yeah. Way
1: to make it to the big leagues.
0: Yeah, I, I've never heard of him. He's got a mustache and he's got real stirrups. So he'll huh. get you two cents. To bring it to, to forty-seven cents, yeah. The, what if I told you that Larry McWilliams pitched for thirteen years in the big leagues?
1: I would be very disappointed in myself for not knowing who he was. Nineteen
0: seventy-eight through
1: nineteen
0: ninety. Wow. He appeared in three hundred and seventy games, started two hundred and twenty-four. Huh. Yeah. Who knew? I'm sure. I'm sure. Plenty of our listeners are like, "Are these guys idiots?" I.
1: Yeah. It's yes, Larry and, and freaking McWilliams. Yeah, pretty much.
0: Uh, you're down to your last card. And uh, let's see. Nickname is E.T. <laughs> Willie McGee. There you go.
1: <laughs> I like Willie McGee.
0: Willie McGee not worth anything in Beckett's for some reason. That's always weird when somebody like Willie McGee is not valued at even just like a cent. Right. Boy, uh, Willie McGee though. 18 years in the big leagues. Not bad.
1: Yeah he he was a he was an all around good player.
0: Yeah, MVP in 1985 with the Cardinals, 216 hits, 18 triples that year, a .353 average to win the batting title as well. And uh he stole 56 bases that year. That Jeez. is wow. He had 10 home runs too for for somebody like that. You you don't think he's going to have that many home runs, but
1: No, he was he was a fantastic
0: baseball player. Yeah, he really was a good baseball player. Let's see. That card like I said not worth anything in Beckett. Yeah, he's got that pencil thin mustache. And he's got some real stirrups. So you're going to get two cents out of that. That'll bring you to 49 cents for your pack. That's not bad for this, for an 89 tops
1: for, for a non hall of famer, 89 tops. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'll take it.
0: Yeah. Didn't, didn't get any hall of famers. So, uh, you were there. Let's uh, open my pack and see what trouble we can get into here. Oh, my gum is intact.
1: So watch out. Yeah, that's uh, You should have it graded
0: yeah you know it's it's we talk about these packs probably being opened before the gum uh, there's a card you know and it's got the gum stain on the back but the gum oh. was uh, was actually not against that card it was a different card so it tells me that these packs <laughs> have definitely been opened and shifted around at some point that's
1: a, that's a,
0: uh, well somehow we'll we'll fight through it all right so my first uh, my first card is a catcher for the texas rangers it is none other than chad Kruter.
1: Chad Crouton, yes. Uh, is he one of our lefties? No, that was, I'm getting him mixed up with Matt Noakes.
0: Uh, Chad so Kruter, he? uh he was a switch hitter. Ooh, even more rare. Yeah. I think, you know, I have certainly been paying attention. There are a lot of left handed hitting catchers out there these days.
1: There's way more than there have been in the past. I noticed that too.
0: Yeah, definitely not as rare as they used to be. The A's have one. Uh, Haim is a switch hitting catcher. Not even a lefty, a switch hmm. hitting catcher. But Crouton uh, played for 16 years. Uh, they do not list his nickname as 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 anything, so you're you're one up on on them, but uh, no value from Beckett, no value from this card itself, because that's the way we roll. Next from the Cardinals, shortstop Kurt
1: Stillwell. Stillwell, the Royals. Yeah, I, I remember him being a Royal. Uh,
0: he was Royal yeah. for what four years? Padre Reds, Rangers, Angels. Yeah, he was. He got around. He played a lot, though. He was over a hundred yeah. games for most of every season of his career. It's a solid shortstop, 249 career hitter Yeah, your Your second, uh, let's see, I, I don't think he's going to get me anything, though. I can't see his stirrups. That's disappointing. So <laughs> I am two cards in. I have uh, zero points. This is not going to help me at all. It is pitcher for the Brewers, Tom Filer, Filler, F-I-L-E-R.
1: Tom Filer. Actually, I remember Tom Filer because I remember it, that card. We've Have we pulled that remember- before? yeah well i remember getting it when i was a kid and thinking how many of these are in existence because i kept pulling it
0: well they're filer is what they are they're filler filler filer yeah they're filler there it is
1: i knew yeah. there was a joke there somewhere
0: <laughs> playing for six years in the big leagues uh for four different teams 22 and 17 overall mark and a right hander too but uh get this no value nothing all these are all nothing. headshots <laughs> <laughs> and they're all clean-shaven. Next, we've got pitcher at this point for the Cleveland team. It is John Farrell. Later goes on to be the pitching coach for many, many teams. But yes. uh, zero value there. I, I We've never been shut out, and uh, there's a definite chance that we might. Didn't I think he might have, um, is his kid in the big leagues? Uh, father to Luke Farrell, who was with the Rangers. Yeah.
1: Hmm. That's cool.
0: Yeah. But no value again. Next, I've got a leader card. We know these are always great. Uh, no value. It is a Yankee leader card and it is Willie Randolph turning a double play while uh, Chili Davis slides in to try and break it up for the Angels. Yes. All right. I'm going to ask you in uh, 1989. Uh, well, so this would be 88 team leaders. Who was the runs leader for the New York Yankees in 1988? Man. Um, I'll give you a, cl- a hint: the runs and the stolen base leader for the Yankees in
1: 1988. In 88, was it Ricky? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that card's not worth anything, and uh, Claudell or Chili's not going to get me anything. Uh, I am, I am predicting a shutout here. Oh, uh, have you ever heard of Don Henkel? Yes. Well, you're one up on me. Pitcher for the Tigers, Don Henkel.
1: Yes. I don't know anything about him, but I've heard of him
0: before. <laughs> he, he pitched for two years, got into a total of 28 games, and had a one in one mark. No value from Beckett. Nothing going on in the picture. So really doing well here. I think I'm going to get on mm-hmm. the board here, though. Uh, we've had this card before. Future star for the Milwaukee Brewers, it is Gary Sheffield.
1: Uh, yes, Sheffield definitely, and especially when he was with the Brewers, had uh, his cards were collectible.
0: Yep. And this is his rookie card. Uh, it is worth 15 cents, which is uh, 15 cents more than I had before. But uh, he does not have a mustache. It's a headshot. I get nothing more than than the 15 cents. Uh, next, we've got uh, third baseman for the Bucks. It is Ken
1: Oberkfell. Ken Oberkfell, who I mostly remember from the Braves.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I, I remember Ken from the Braves most definitely.
1: And he had that killer beard.
0: Well, he did. He's got a he's got a mustache, at least in this picture. So that'll get me at least one cent. 16 years in the big leagues, eight of them with the Cardinals, five with the, with the uh, Braves, and then two with the Bucks, and then a bunch of other teams. But not a bad career, 278 hitter. OPS plus of 97, so he's right there at the, uh, the league average. But that'll just get me one cent for the uh, facial hair. That brings me up to 16 cents. And uh, next we've got future World Series winning manager. He came up with the Cubs. Here he is with the Expos. Outfielder Davey Martinez.
1: Oh, sure. I, I mostly remember him as a manager. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, I definitely remember him here with the, card, uh, with the Cardinals, with the Expos. I doubt that card's going to be worth anything. Uh, it is not. Uh, he does have a mustache, though, so he's got that going for me. He played 16 years in the big leagues. Yeah. Mm. Mainly with the the Expos and the Cubs. I, I do remember him he played for the for Tampa Bay at the end of his career. Remember that but uh, that'll just get me one cent. That brings me up to a, a huge total of 17 cents so far. Next we've got another big bat for the Milwaukee Brewers. It is Daryl Hamilton.
1: Isn't there a musical named after that guy?
0: Uh, I you know I've seen it, but I I did not realize that it was uh, it was after him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Uh, well actually he spells his name differently. Than, uh, than the than the Daryl Hamilton that the musical is after, so no, <laughs> uh, I can't tell if that's a mustache. No, no mustache. Wow, these, these who who took pictures for eighty nine tops because I'm not feeling it. Uh, no value there. No value in Beckett. Thirteen uh, year career for Daryl Hamilton. He hit uh, wow. I thought he had more pop than that. He never reached double digits, hmm. uh, but he did. Uh, he did have some decent uh, speed. One hundred sixty three stolen bases and uh, three sixty career on base percentage. So. Maybe I'm Yeah, I'm getting him mixed up with somebody else, but no value. Thanks a lot. Next, we've got a dominant closer for the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, if I if I say dominant closer for the Blue Jays in the 80s, you got to know who I'm talking about.
1: Uh, Tom Hankey?
0: There you go, Mr. Tom Hankey. No he value is- from Beckett, though, but he's got those. You know what he's got. He's got those glasses.
1: he got the glasses. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: baby. He has got those big glasses that'll get me one cent. The Terminator Tom Hankey. Yep. he only led the league in saves one year
1: really he was solid man he was a really good closer
0: yeah he went about 30 saves every year finished with 311 saves there you uh, go. a whip go of back.
1: 1.092 that is nuts
0: yeah that's, that's a uh,
1: fantastic career whip
0: yeah I, I he was he was just nails when it came to closing down when he opened the sky dome or I'm sorry it was just sky dome not the sky dome I forget okay I got our first hall of famer of the day Oh, there you go. About time. And uh, this is a good looking card. It's Rhino, Ryan Sandberg.
1: The great Ryan Sandberg. He was a
0: Cub, wasn't he? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Oh, that card is my second 15 cent card. So that'll bring me up to 33 cents, but he is a Hall of Famer. So that'll bring me up to 38 cents. So thank you. Rhino's killing me. Yeah, Ryan Sandberg, a good looking card. Never had a mustache though. Played his entire career almost for the Cubs. Of course, came up with the Phillies, was involved in that uh, trade. For Larry Boa, or with yep. Larry Boa, uh, for Yvonne Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the Cubs got the better end of that
1: deal. Uh, I mean, really got to analyze it with the advanced statistics, but I think you're probably right.
0: <laughs> of course, led the league in 84 with 19 triples to earn the MVP wow. award. Uh, never came close. <laughs> We've talked about it to anything close to that. Never even came close to triple digits and triples after that. 40 home runs in 1990. Not bad. Not bad. Next, uh, <laughs> member of the wax pack book. Uh, he's got a mustache. He has got, uh, science teacher glasses and he has got real stirrups.
1: It is Rance Mullinex. Rance Mullinex is a guy you would expect to have both a mustache and real stirrups. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you know what? He's got, uh, big sweatbands here, but it's got the, the, uh, the blue Jays logo on it. Not his, his uh-huh. number or his face. But uh, you. yeah, that'll only get me three cents for those, th- those things, but that'll bring me up to 41 cents. Steven Rance Molenex, Angels, Royals, Blue Jays for 11 years, ended his career with the Blue Jays. Not, uh, not bad. He had triple di- or, uh, double digits and home runs for a couple of years, 272 career average still given those batting lessons uh, out though. <laughs> he was traded for Al Cowens who wasn't he another member of that wax pack pack? Al Cowan I think
1: so yeah. Uh, yeah because he was the Mariners right fielder and I remember that being funny for some reason
0: <laughs> all right so uh that'll get me uh that I'm down to two cards left not uh not feeling like I got much of a chance we've pulled this guy a lot of times as well it is pitcher for the Reds Ron Robinson
1: oh yeah we pulled that guy
0: yeah we, we usually don't remember anything about him he pitched for nine years uh seven of which were for the Reds mainly a starter Finished with a 48 and 39 mark. Not bad. 3.63 ERA. 3,400 exactly batters faced. After Hmm. that, he was like, that's enough. I'm done. Hanging it up.
1: I'm limiting myself to 3,400 and not one more. (laughs)
0: No value in Beckett. Uh, He's got real stirrups on though. So thank you for that. That'll bring me up to 42 cents to Jackie Robinson. I've got one card left and I trail by seven cents.
1: Ooh, Anything could happen.
0: Well, it could, and theoretically, I should I should take the lead here on my final card, but I don't think I will. It's my favorite pitcher of all time. So, you know, I'm going to get a, a cent for the mustache. It is, of course, Dave Stewart.
1: Stu. Stew. Oh, yeah, the great Dave Stewart.
0: Yeah, no value from Beckett. Just one cent for the mustache, which will bring me to 43 cents. I don't know how Dave Stewart's not worth more than that, but...
1: I don't know. You should give a point for, like, having a... a devastating stare over the top of your glove.
0: <laughs> it still doesn't it still doesn't doesn't put me on top but uh, okay. Dave Stewart 16 years half of which were in Oakland the best years they were going to retire his number this year i mean, it's gonna have to wait till next year but uh led the league in wins in 1987 with 20 led the league in innings pitched a couple of times complete games 14 in 1988 and then 11 in 1990 finished with a 168 and 129 mark 3.95 era smoke nice. dave stewart he was an agent he was a gm he does a pre and post game now for the a's there you go uh finishes me off at 43 cents and mark you have once again come up with another victory becoming to come I'm, I'm getting a little frustrated here i started off with one win but since then uh i have been unable to to muster anything if we take a look at our standings in the new season you are now up two to one
1: yeah, we've been uh, we've been doing a lot of extra BP. I think if we
0: were to field these two teams, I think I would have the better team. But uh, I think so. Your your uh, Andy Bennis card or Alan Bennis, whichever one was the one that put me away. So there you go.
1: Well, there you have it. Thanks for uh, being a stand-up guy, there, Jeff, and uh, not calling me names.
0: All right, so uh, that'll do it for Wax Packs Heroes. That'll also do it for this week's show. Let's uh, start to wrap it up. And as always, thank all of our listeners. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Always helps us out. If you tell friends about us, share uh, the shows on social media because we... We tell you when we got a new show out uh, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at two strike noise. That is at T W O strike noise. You can also find uh, our wax packs hero segments on YouTube. If you want to see these cards that we are describing and talking about, just uh, checking the show notes. We've got a link to all these things there, or you can just go search on the internet like a normal human being. Uh, Mark, they can also get a hold of us via an email. Would you uh, like to tell them how to do that?
1: Sure. Spell it out. T-W-O, 2 Strike Noise at
0: gmail.com. Good old electronic mail. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Mark, we've got uh, next week's show is already prepped and ready to go. So I'm going to demand you're going to be here next week. Same time, same uh, podcast. I expect you to be okay. present.
1: I can do that. I can do that. The air quality will be a
0: little bit better next week, so...
1: Well, it can be a whole lot worse. No, you you are absolutely
0: correct. (laughs) It cannot be much worse.
1: I mean, it's the equivalent of smoking two packs of cigarettes, for goodness sakes.
0: Yeah, and you don't even get the little buzz. So I'm going to go rest my voice because I am struggling, as I can tell (laughs) you are, too. So so we will see everybody again next week. Uh, I would like to sign off uh, just with uh, saying something. Somebody passed away this this past week that uh, both Mark and I were familiar with. It is Mr. Bob Robertson, who was a broadcasting legend in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, he was the play-by-play voice of Washington State Athletics, both football, where he was best known, and basketball. Uh, he did uh, minor league baseball. He actually did the Tacoma Tigers and Rainiers. When Mark, I'm not sure how much he was doing when when you were a bat boy. I know. Uh, When I was uh, interning in in Salt Lake City at uh, the TV station there during college, he was still doing, uh, at that point, Tiger games. And I introduced myself to him and told him I was a student, a broadcasting student at Washington State. And he, without thinking, said, come on into the booth with me and do a couple innings. And I got to sit in and call a couple innings of Tacoma Tigers, Salt Lake Buzz Baseball with Bob Robertson. But we wanted to make sure to to honor him and his passing. And uh, Mark will, will sign off today uh, using his catchphrase, which uh, w- w- was a great one. It is always be a good sport and be a good sport always. And uh, we'll see you next week on another episode of Two Strike Noise.
1: Good night, everybody.